Ah, there we are. Good morning, Four Oaks Church. It's Pastor Paul, and it's uh, Monday, October 23rd. And there might be two things that initially surprise you this morning. Number one, that I would be wearing a beanie um, while I'm doing this devotional. But but if, if you know me, listen, it's a little chilly outside, and you've got to keep the dome um, tight and the heat contained, right? And secondly, you might be surprised that this is an FSU beanie. You should not be surprised. I've lived in Tallahassee 20, gosh, seven years. I have a degree from FSU. Of course, I'm going to wear a Seminole beanie. I can, I, can, I can root for two teams simultaneously, although I prioritize one over the other. But nonetheless, you're not here to hear about that. You are here to dig into today's devotional with me. And so what is um, our customary... Uh, sort of uh, process here is that we spend Monday through Friday, 10 to 15 minutes every weekday morning, looking at the upcoming passage that we're going to be preaching on that Sunday. And what that allows us to do is not just um, for me to dispense biblical theological knowledge, but it's actually for us to work through a passage together so that, Lord willing, you can kind of see how I approach it, and hopefully maybe there'll be a thing or two you can... um, you can, you can kind of gather for yourself as you're becoming a better student of God's Word. And to be honest, it's just really helpful for me as well. So with that said, we are now up to, and this us pastors are, are prone to pastoral hyperbole and overstatement, but, but I think it's probably true in this case. Uh, this is maybe the most controversial passage in all of the New Testament, which is saying something. We're going to be talking this week about the blasphemy about against the Holy Spirit, or or what we find here as the unforgivable sin. Now, let's read the passage first, and then let's sort of scope out our strategy for how we uh, want to think about approaching a passage like this. So we're in Matthew 12, verses 22 through 32. Let's read God's Word together. Then a demon-oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him, and he healed him, so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Can this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, It is only by Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this man cast out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and no city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house." Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. Whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. So one of the first rules of biblical interpretation we talk about is first of all to to situate the passage that we're going to be looking at in the larger context of the book or the letter that it's contained in. Because after all, when Matthew sat down to pen this biopic of Jesus, he didn't do it um, 
principally in mind with with giving us um, chunks of scripture that would be neatly packaged to preach. He gave it as one long narrative, which means if we don't understand the flow, what comes before, what comes after, we are going to be prone to, to do all sorts of damage to the scriptures. And so it's, it's not, not incidental, I think, where this passage falls. This passage falls in the context where open opposition has um, come from the Pharisees, and they are now in a public stance, not a private stance, but a public stance, in their desire to kill Jesus, eliminate him, to destroy him. And as we saw last week, and we preached yesterday, is that there, there's sort of a pause in the, in the action of this building tension for God to, to render his verdict and judgment over his son, whom Isaiah tells us whom he is well pleased. And in this passage that we looked at last week kind of resounds with this idea that any and all can come to Christ, that Christ will turn no one away, that a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not stamp out, that the, the grace that's in God is greater than the sin that's in, in, that's in us. Um, I mean, it's just a magnificent passage which means when we come to this passage, it can be very jarring, very violent. It can seem to be rowing in the opposite direction um, from where we've been. And so I think what's, what's, what we're going to do today, we're, we're not getting fully into this today. There, there, there's, we, we, this is way too important. We need to really establish, I think, the, the, the twin task of biblical interpretation, okay, that I want to, I want to uh, introduce you to this morning. And I've mentioned these before over the years, but, but I think it's really important. There is what we would call, when we come to the Bible, biblical theology, and then systematic theology, okay? So let's talk about the, the difference of the two. They're, 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 they're intertwined, they should not be separated, although many do. Um, biblical theology, what we mean by that is understanding the Bible as one giant book, that we want to trace the themes of the Bible, the storyline of the Bible, which really is the story of Jesus, from start to finish, and that we don't want to chop it up and look at it as just 66 books in isolation, that, that rather, although they have been written in many these books in many times, places, different personalities, different um, time periods, different literature types. Nonetheless, they tell a singular story. And one way to think about that is creation, fall, redemption, restoration. God created the world um, in perfect harmony um, to, to glorify him, to spread his knowledge of the glory of, of uh, uh, his glory across the earth. Man fell into sin. God begins a redemptive process to save mankind, and then at the end of the end of the era of the world, um, um, Eden will be restored, although greater than before. That's the storyline of the Bible. And when we come to books of the Bible, we always have to understand how they fit into the larger context of the storyline of the Bible. And so, of course, Matthew's gospel, is part of the new covenant where he's making the case that Jesus is in fact the long appointed Messiah, that he is the fulfillment of all the prophecies that began all the way back in Genesis 3.15, okay? 
So, so biblical theology looks at the Bible as a whole. Now, systematic theology um, takes certain topics, themes, subject areas, and tries to understand what the scriptures as a whole have to say about them. So, so let's just use an example, sin. So we, we, can, we can go to Ephesians 2 and, and uh, hear Paul say that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, okay? Um, we can go to Genesis 3 and hear about sin resulting in us being cast away from the presence of God. We can go to um, John and hear Jesus talk about the sin that is in the leader's heart. So you get the idea, right? And based upon what the Bible says as a whole about sin, we begin to develop a theology of sin, right? In other words, we don't want to just see what James says about sin. We want to see, not that that's unimportant, but, but we want to understand what the scope of Scripture, Scripture interpreting Scripture says about sin. That's called systematic theology. And so we, so these two go together, okay? We study the Bible from cover to cover, letter to letter. We preach through it. We're getting the storyline of the Bible. We're getting doctrine. But we're always wanting to know how that doctrine fits with what the scriptures say about that doctrine in other places. And th th there's two things that can happen, two sides of the horse that we don't want to fall off on, okay? One is that we sort of pit the Bible against itself, right? And we read the Bible as one big collective whole, but we see what James says about works, we see what Paul says about works, and we pit those against each other that they're contradictory or something, okay? Um, and and we, we, we fail to tie them all in together. On the other hand, um, we also can fall off the side of the horse of taking a topic let me introduce this one, like forgiveness, okay, <laughs> which, which, is, which is a big part of this passage we're looking at here. And then we, um, we, we look at it in isolation. And when we do that, as one of my seminary profs said, we can quote scripture but commit heresy. We have to, to not take any of these passages or themes out of context. So these things of biblical theology, systematic theology, always need to be in a healthy tension. So why is that important in a passage like this? Well, it's important in a passage like this that you could, you could read, if, if the only portion of Scripture you knew was Matthew 12, 22-32, you could do serious damage with that. You could be going around with a hammer, talking, pounding people over the head about their unforgivable sin. And they better hope that this time God actually decides to forgive them because their forgiveness is precipitous. It's, it's, it's hanging in the balance if they commit the wrong kind of sin, right? And so here, it's really important, one, to understand how this fits in the scope of Matthew, but understand what the rest of Scripture has to say about forgiveness, okay? And so obviously, if you go to your concordance in your Bible, okay, and you've told, or in your study Bible, and I'm just going to type in forgiveness here into my iPad. Um, there's, more, you throw a dart at the Bible, you're going to hit forgiveness, right? Um, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness. Daniel tells us, okay. Um, Matthew 26, 
This is the blood of my covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Psalm 130, but with you there is forgiveness, okay? Just think about all the passages in the Old Testament. God is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and forgiveness, right? Um, Paul, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of our trespasses. And, and we could go on and on and on and on and on and on. And there seems to be no end to the biblical promises about forgiveness. What does Jesus say? Um, Come to me, all you who are weary. I will give you rest. Blessed is the man who comes to me. I will in no wise cast him out. Um, again, the passage from last week. Um, he will not snuff us out no matter how many times we fail him if we simply find rest, forgiveness in him. So, so there's a piece of systematic theology for you. The question is, how does it relate to what Matthew is saying here, okay? And so here's going to be um, your homework, all right? I, this is going to be involved this week. This is your homework. I want you to go back and really camp out on this passage, Matthew 12, 22 through 32. And I want you just to pay careful attention. Now, listen, this is important. Of all the things in this passage that Jesus says he will forgive us for. Okay, to do that. Before we talk about the sin that won't be forgiven, I think it's important that we go and we identify in this passage all the ways that Jesus says we will be forgiven, okay? And once we do that, then, okay, what I want you to do is compare that, write a list, and compare that to the one thing that Jesus says won't be forgiven. And see if you can discern what the difference is. Is there a difference? Um, or does the scripture contradict itself? Okay, which you know the, the answer to that. So that's your homework, okay? We're jumping into the deep end of the theological pool this week. And um, as you can see, reading the scriptures is hard work. It takes some exercise. It takes some some calisthenics, it takes some discipline. Uh, we can't just blow through, you can't blow through your physical workout, you can't blow through your spiritual workout. And I'm gonna pray for you this week as, as we do this together. Lord, give us grace, give us humility, give us wisdom. We want to just simply know what your word says, how to interpret it, and how to apply it in our lives. Lord, give us your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, looking forward to this week. So see you tomorrow. Have a great day.